It's time for episode 464 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the AI-generated tech podcast. Oh, no! <laughs> I I am one of your hosts, Mickey Slogent, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal, Jomston Snorp. Hello, Jomston. <laughs> Beep boop, Mickey. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's Jason Snell. I'm Micah Sargent. Micah, <laughs> How you doing? Yeah, uh, doing doing good, doing good. Good to be here. It's the August of Jason hosting Clockwise, and I'm just I'm getting I'm going to be totally back down with the Clockwise uh, format and system right when Dan gets back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that'll be great. It'll be locked it right just uh, right before he comes back. So anyway, it's time to introduce our awesome guests, who I will not AIify. Uh, to my left, it is policy editor at Protocol. It's Kate Cox. Welcome to the show, Kate. Hi. Thanks for having me. And to my left, uh, host and producer at Twit. Boy, there's a lot of people doing stuff at Twit these days. Hmm. It's Jason Howell, uh, fellow. Hello, fellow Jason. Double L at the end of your last name. That's uh, that's <laughs> not actually my name. AI knows me as Jorson Hollowell. So <laughs> if you could please refer to me as that here too, for I appreciate it. Goodness. Jorson Hollowell. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, let us get underway with the show. Four topics, 30 minutes, and mine for you is this. Uh, Be Real. You may have heard about that app. Uh, it's trying to kind of bring authenticity to social media, it says, by giving you a couple of minutes at a random time of the day to quickly snap two photos, one from the front-facing camera and one from the back-facing camera. I would like to know, do you feel this is a solution to a problem that really does exist? And do you think that social media is meant to be authentic? Kate, we'll start with you. So uh, nothing makes me feel as old as thinking of social media as pictures. Um, (laughs) For me, you know, it was very liberating to go on the internet uh, 10,000 years ago when mammoths roamed the earth and be text as opposed to people judging me on my appearance. Um, So the idea of judging people, letting, you know, letting people in to judge me even more on my appearance uh, is somewhat daunting. Um, That said, I can totally see why users who have spent the last, what, 10, 15 years uh, with increasingly curated lives on Instagram would want to bust out of that a little bit, you know? Yeah, I my daughter uses it. And uh, speaking of feeling like a dinosaur uh, who roamed the earth long ago. Uh, and I, I like this idea, but I think what I would say is it's, it's, uh, is it a solution to a problem? I don't know. I feel like it's a game attempting to prompt people to share what they might not otherwise share. And, and the gamification of it, I think is a, is a part of it. It gets very angry with you if you don't do what it says. <laughs> um, but, but I don't know. I kind of like it, but it is it is weird because it's not like social media driven by your interest. It's social media where everybody dances to its tune. And yet what it's trying to do, I think, is create at least a layer of authenticity or at least maybe it's it's uh, improvisation. Um, when I was a kid, 
one of the things that that we had to do is uh for like uh speech festivals and stuff like that was uh, was impromptu speeches and i always thought impromptu stuff was interesting because you'd get different stuff out of speaking like like podcasts uh just off the top of your head and figuring it out so i i like it as an idea is it authentic i don't know i mean it's differently inauthentic but maybe a little bit authentic and i i like it as a concept i'm not sure anything on the internet where you're putting things in public is ever really authentic, right? It's like the medium is the message. You are, everything is mediated in some way. Sorry, deep thoughts from a comm major. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, I like the idea. I like the impulse to just sort of get people out of their comfort zone a little bit and share the result. Yeah, I I think uh, I think what you said about you know chosen authenticity is pretty spot on. Like it's easy to look at be real and think, oh well, it's what's happening right now. So you know I don't have enough time to put on my ring light and you know make make sure that I look absolutely perfect and I've got the waterfall you know framed perfectly over my left shoulder. But at the same time. If it's a bad time for me to be authentic, I can just choose to not share. And, and so ultimately <laughs> I end up choosing when it's the right type of authenticity versus total authenticity. Right. Um, so I think there is something there. I do appreciate though, be real's moment in the sense that there has been a lot of weight and a lot of heaviness that has grown around social media and be real for the first time in a while has been an experience, at least for me, where I don't feel that weight. I, I honestly, it's about like, I give it about as much thought as it takes for me to scroll through the the thing and take the picture, right? Like it's, it's like a three minute experience for me every day. I, I snap a photo of whatever I happen to be doing. Usually I'm looking at a computer. Uh, <laughs> and then I look at all the other photos of other people looking at their computer and I'm like, oh, okay, they're just like me. And then I move on with my life and I don't have to invest much more into it. And I kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, all good answers all around. I think for me, Be Real feels more like a conceptual art piece that's now gone on longer than it. Not not that it needs to. Uh, I think it's doing fine. But it just it feels like the statement it was trying to make was made the first time uh, yeah. or maybe the second time in that what you've said, Jason, like when I use it, I hop on there and I see everybody else is also at their computer. And then I feel less bad about the fact that I don't uh, have, you know, a lot of interesting things going on and that day to day things are pretty uh, average. And that's great. Um, and maybe we do need those regular reminders uh, as opposed to it just being, you know, Tilda Swinton sitting at a desk in the in MoMA uh, to tell us that we all live, you know, uh, lives that are similar to one another. Uh, and so, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is be real is the Tilda of the App Store. Uh, moving on to our next topic, which comes from Kate. Hey, so uh, before I was in policy, I spent my life in video games. And so I've been noticing lately uh, all the video game news. And we learned this week in a filing in Brazil from antitrust, it all comes from policy, just how badly Sony really cleaned Microsoft's clock in the last console generation. Uh, Microsoft finally had to admit to these Brazil regulators that Sony sold more than twice as many PS4s worldwide Whoa. as Xbox sold Xbox Ones. Ordinarily, I would think that was really interesting, but it had actually occurred to me in 2022. Does that even matter? Like, does the video game console matter anymore? Have we crossed that threshold? But if it does matter, for how much longer do we have? I feel like it does matter. It matters in the way that that um, that relevance matters, right? I, I, I think you're right that they're buying all these different game studios and there's going to be a lot of first party games on exclusive to consoles. And I think a lot of gamers just buy both. But obviously other people choose. I, 
I think the most important thing about this is really like the momentum a console has. Like, uh, you know, I bought a Wii U because my kids love the Wii and I don't regret it because it was it's Wii compatible. So we got to keep all of our Wii games. But the fact is that was a failed console. It did not have momentum. It didn't last very long. And then the Switch came and it was great and it had momentum. And I think I feel like that's the most important thing is there's this almost consensual hallucination where like everybody agrees is this console really a thing? And if it is, then it's going to do fine. And if uh, if it's kind of the uncool one, I think that does matter on a, on some level just as every how everybody approaches it. But I think your last half of your question is really good because it's the suggestion that how long can this go on, this model that we've had for the last few decades of selling a console and then selling a bunch of games for it? It does feel like with uh, cloud gaming and you know other stuff going on that we are leaving that space for something new and the rules will probably be different jason yeah i i agree i think the cloud gaming uh the looming cloud gaming i don't want to call it a threat but the the influence that cloud gaming has on the industry i think is uh is i mean it's it's a pretty big deal obviously how does that impact the existence of consoles in this like this like pre-existing console uh paradigm that we've lived in uh since you know since the beginning of home you know in in home video gaming i don't i don't really know i mean i look at stadia and i think you know there's there there are stadia stands out there obviously but i don't know how successful the non-console cloud gaming effort has been and how much impact that's really had on these in-home consoles to still continue doing their thing. I don't think I don't think they've moved the needle as much to prevent, you know, keep people who who are big video game fans who would normally buy a console. I don't think they're deciding at this point, eh, well, you know what? I don't really need to do that anymore. Like that old model's over because now it's all in the cloud. We're not quite there yet. You still have to buy a console to get some of those first party games coming from Sony, come from, coming from Microsoft's camp. So I think we're a ways away from that. But I have to imagine at some point that shifts. I've got the latest iPhone, which supports Wi-Fi 6 and a Wi-Fi 6 router. And I am a mere, I don't know, one whole length of me. So like six foot three inches away is, is the router. And when I try to play Luna uh, on an iPhone that has Wi-Fi 6 or even an iPad that uh, similarly would connect, it's not as great. So I don't think that we're fully to cloud gaming yet. But when I uh, use Luna on my Mac, which is Ethernet wired into uh, my system and play uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, it looks great. It plays great and it's wonderful. But I, it's still there's something about a console where you've got the game running locally and you can crank up the graphics because the, the system only has to focus on that specific thing. And then also... I think one place where we still have this issue is that streaming is more and more a huge part of gaming. And to be both gaming and streaming on the same device where you are trying to put out audio and video to a crowd while also doing cloud gaming 
it's not ideal because that's a lot of network back and forth that has to go through. And so I think that that's what continues to keep consoles uh, in in the front of mind because like the most dedicated gamers are in many cases streamers and they want these things to be local on their systems so that they aren't also using that internet connection for that. So I think we're still a little while away. Um, I don't think it's just, you know, right around the corner, but perhaps um, for more casual gaming and uh, the person who occasionally games like myself, uh, that cloud gaming could supplant it. But Kate, yes, I know we're all eager to hear your response to this. I was thinking about this because we have a lot of video games in our household. We have his and hers gaming PCs um, and a PlayStation, and we we both have Xbox Game Pass accounts now. And, you know, I, I've had a, a Steam account since... Um, since that, what was it? The orange box came out and I needed it to play Portal. And I thought the concept of Steam was kind of dumb. And I was very clearly wrong about that, uh, willing to admit. You know, we've we've moved consistently away from the need for something to read a disc, right? The last time I tried to buy a hardware copy of a PC game, uh, the company sent me a box with a code printed inside and no <laughs> disc present. And I was like... I, I did it because I got, you know, uh, this was back when Amazon had like 20% off all game pre-orders. And so I was like, well, you know, it was still cheaper for me to get it this way, um, but kind of defeated the purpose. So yeah, like on the one hand, you know, in the US, our, our internet and broadband and bandwidth situation is not sufficient for literally everything to be all streaming. Uh, but on the other hand, I feel like the next console generation is actually just a controller and a thing you plug into your TV, kind of like the NVIDIA Shield or, you know, an Apple TV, just the, the Xbox version of it, right? With a controller. We're definitely not in an all-cloud future right now. As, and like I said, especially given the broadband situation in this country, you know, and there's broadband caps in half the major cities, you know, monopolies and all that. I could go on forever. But I feel like this stands a decent chance of being the the last real console generation because the momentum, which, you know, as Jason said, is super important, right? You don't buy a thing if you're the only person who would have it and all your friends think it's dumb, <laughs> uh, especially in a multiplayer gaming world. But I, I do wonder if this is the, the last generation where the set-top consoles are like noticeable boxes as opposed to basically TV dongles. All right. Well, uh, excellent answers for that one. And we have reached halftime, which means I get to tell you about our pals at New Relic who are bringing you this episode of Clockwise. You know, if you know a dev, you know they're pretty curious people. They're the first to explore the newest technology, wanting to know how and why things work. And that is why so many of them turn to New Relic. See, New Relic gives your data, uh, gives you data about what you build and shows what's really happening in your software lifecycle. It's a single place to see the data from your entire stack. So you don't have to look into 16 different tools and make those connections manually. It pinpoints issues down to the line of code so you you know why the problems are happening and you can resolve them quickly. And that's why more than 14,000 other companies, 14,000 companies use New Relic. And when teams come together around data, it allows you to triage problems, be confident in the decisions that you're making, and most importantly, reduce the time needed to implement resolutions using data, not just opinions. Huh, I think it might be this. I think it might be this. No, you get to know for sure what it is. Use the data platform made for the curious. Right now, you can get access to the whole New Relic platform and, this is just a wild deal, 100 gigabytes of data per month free forever, folks, with no credit card required even. Sign up at newrelic.com slash clockwise. That's N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash clockwise. 
That URL one more time, newrelic.com slash clockwise. And our thanks to New Relic for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, back from halftime. And that means it's Jason Snell's turn to oh, take yes. away. I'm going to do the opening kickoff. I'm just going to keep playing those American football references. Um, <laughs> the cheerleaders have left the field. Whatever. A Tesla is the second largest car maker in California uh, behind Toyota with 10% market share and the most popular car currently in the state of california is the tesla model y interesting times so i wanted to ask do you all have an electric uh ish vehicle of any kind and if not uh would you buy one and what's the hold up uh isn't the electric vehicle the future of everything jason <laughs> I love that you're answer you're asking this question right now because literally a week and a half ago we got delivery of our Tesla Model Y. So <laughs> so I guess I'm the epitome of your question. Perfect. Um yeah, and I mean, you know, it, it's something that's been on our mind for a while. I don't know why we chose to go with the Tesla over some of the other electric vehicles other than the fact that I'm a ridiculously tall person and I sat in a lot of the other electric vehicles and didn't fit and that was one of our requirements in in getting a new car and actually actually deciding to spend that kind of money on a vehicle for the first time in our lives. We we're like, let's get something that we're going to be super comfortable with. The Y was very comfortable. We got solar last year on our house. We knew that we wanted, um, you know, before all of this fuel crisis that's been happening over the past many months, we knew that we wanted to kind of get off of using oil and um, start using the solar on our house to charge a vehicle. And, you know, for all the myriad reasons why that's a great idea. And so we finally did it. And I'm really, I gotta say, I'm really happy that we, that we uh, made, made that choice. There are certain things about, you know, Tesla as a company, I suppose, you know, namely uh, Elon and, you know, Musk are the eight letters that come to mind uh, <laughs> that gave me pause around it. But at the end of the day, I also know some really great people uh, who have worked or still work at Tesla. So I'm kind of like, you know what, I'm kind of torn on on making my decision based on that alone. But, you know, we, d we did it because we felt like it was right. And we felt like at this point in our lives, we deserve to have something that we really, truly enjoy. And I got to say, I really, truly enjoy that Model Y. Awesome. Um, for I, almost certainly my next vehicle will be an electric vehicle, but um, I will tell you, I drive a Dodge Stratus um, way that is a reference that I don't know. But somebody told me one time that that was a reference to an SNL bit from like a million years ago. So I still <laughs> use that uh, way back in high school. Uh, I think it was my senior year or maybe it was my freshman year of college. Regardless, I bought a 2004 Dodge Stratus Coupe SXT in uh, Robin's Egg Blue. And I said when I got that car that I would drive it until it died. And I have an uncle, a great uncle, actually, who has a vehicle from that's even older, and he just takes it in to get service regularly, always, no matter what. And it still drives for him. And I really like that idea. So until California makes me move on from it, or it <laughs> dies itself, I will continue to drive my 2004 Dodge Stratus wow. Coupe SXT. Uh, and then the next car will almost certainly be an electric vehicle of some sort. Uh, Gavin Newsom is going to knock on your door and be like, Micah, give me the keys to the car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's I've got happen. something for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's an e-bike. Here it is. <laughs> uh, Kate, what about you? Uh, we're in kind of the same position. Uh, you know, our, our cars right now are both very low mileage and fully paid off. And those are great reasons not to buy a new car. Um, my... I bought my current car in 2015 and the car I had before that was a 96 Camry. Um, so nice. I likewise, uh, you know, and I sold it to my 
uncle actually or my husband's uncle and he is his kids are still driving it so it was a great car um so yeah i'm disinclined to buy a new car now because i need things like braces for my children but that said we last year were very fortunate to move into a single family house and that is the first time either my husband or i have ever lived in one you know previously we said things like well i'd like to get an electric car but there's nowhere to charge it within a mile of this apartment building um so now we have a driveway and there's a plug on the outside and it's very exciting. Uh, and we are hoping in the next five years, you know, to kind of do the, the the project Jason just said he did and put solar on our roof and electrify our house. Um, it'd be very, very nice to eventually, uh, I hope my car lasts another few years until my elder child is 16 and then she can have it and I will get an electric car and all will be well. <laughs> uh, great answers. Yeah. I mean, that is, I will point out for people who have uh, low mileage cars that are already paid off that um, used cars are going for more money than they've gone in recent ages at all. And you'd be surprised about that. I have a friend who did a Carvana sale and literally, you know, there are now websites that do used car arbitrage and they come to your house and hand you a check and take your car away and the checks are surprisingly large for people who might be considering that. Um, but yeah, I totally get it. And I buy cars very rarely. We bought a used electric car a few years ago and I love it. And I don't think I'm ever going to buy. I mean, I know I'm, I'm never going to buy a gas car again. I don't want them. They're awesome. Um, I see where this is going. I see all the limitations that people face, especially with charging. That's a great one. You know, the great thing about the future of electric cars is that charging infrastructure doesn't require you to bury, you know, gasoline tanks deep down underground and then <laughs> remove them because they're horrible hazardous waste when like it's just electricity. We already have a grid. But it does require getting it to the street level so people can actually charge their cars if they don't have a garage or a driveway or a parking lot or something that supports it. So um, yeah, long way to go. But I just thought it was really interesting that we've reached the point that um, in California, at least, uh, Tesla is the number two automaker and EVs are are going up and up. And I, I think uh, I think it's a good thing. And I love my electric car. So. Thank you all for sharing. Uh, time for the last topic. Jason, what do you have for us? All right. So we all uh, live and breathe technology. I'm assuming, making the assumption that we've all you know, been fans of technology for our entire lives for the most part. Otherwise, why would we craft a career in technology after all? Uh, thought experiment. You wake up tomorrow morning. You realize that your entire career, everything that you've crafted and worked so hard on, uh, you know, hard with over the years is now suddenly gone. It just disappeared. And so you are in a position where you are forced to pivot into a completely different industry, uh, something other than technology. What industry would that be for you? What would you do in this new career if you have any idea about that? Micah? Uh, so the real answer, um, my, my like sort of financial makes sense. And I would, you know, the longevity of it makes sense. That would be psychology. Um, I would definitely be a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist. But my fun answer and the one I'd like to think about is uh, one that's always been something that I, I've wanted to do, which is uh, being a general contractor. I love the idea of uh, like doing renovations and, uh, you know, organizing all of the people to come in and, and make somebody's home or business exactly what they want it to be. Uh, my grandparents used 
to buy and flip houses and I help them out with that stuff a lot. And so I've got a lot of that knowledge and living in apartments doesn't uh, give me too many opportunities to be the handyman that I like to be and or the handy person I like to be, I guess. And so, yeah, I would definitely go into um, general contracting if it wasn't, uh, you know, one of those things where I go, hmm, I wonder if that's going to be something I'd be able to do in the future. Uh, Kate, what about you? There is definitely a parallel universe version of me who didn't flunk a couple of high school math classes uh, and became an astrophysicist. Um, and I have a, a friend, a friend's wife. She went back to school in her 40s and went into astrophysics. And I'm like, that looks I'm kind of jealous. Like, maybe, maybe I should do that. My my fun answer, though, I also really wish uh, you just pack it all in and go to Hollywood and do Foley work. Like, nice. how fun would it be to make all that the sounds fun. for everything? Yes. Like, what does pew pew sound like? How do you make it go? <laughs> um, that just like seems like the most fun career in like the world is doing Foley work. So. Wow. I, um, first off, I- I'm curious who this Dr. Strange like figure is who's uh, vanished all of our careers. Shame on them. <laughs> but I, uh, it- it's funny. Um, Jason specifically said sort of different industry than tech. I think I could probably have been a, you know, a a reporter journalist in some other area, uh, you know, sports or, or business or politics or whatever. Like I, I, I did a general assignment reporting internship in my local paper back home and was on my college newspaper. I could have gone in those directions. I was just, I gravitated toward tech, but assuming that the mean man has cast a magic spell that precludes me from <laughs> all of that. Um, it's actually very similar to Kate. I, um, I think that, uh, either astronomy, I always thought that that would be great. Get my PhD in astronomy, um, and find a way to, you know, make a living in, astronomy astrophysics something like that or uh i actually even though i was a communication major i got uh i got good grades in and loved my college chemistry classes that were i was in with the science majors i took the hard college chemistry and i loved it um, just like i loved it in high school and so maybe following down the path of chemistry and seeing where that leads and where 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 do chemistry majors end up uh at a big chemical company probably so as long as i don't fall in a vat and gain you know powers (laughs) or something then you could bring our jobs back if you did that i go i go down that path maybe so maybe the chemicals will counteract the magic spell there you go jason that's what i have for you (laughs) very nice i'm really Realizing actually now that now that I'm hearing the answers that almost everything in life now touches technology in one shape, way, shape, or form, so it's impossible to completely uh, avoid it. I suppose the thing. Uh, so I have, I guess, two answers here, and one of them actually does have a little bit to do with technology. Now that I think about it, but I'm I'm big into music production. I, you know, I played music for almost my entire life, and I've always really been fascinated by the process of recording and uh, capturing, you know, performances and experiences and everything. So, uh, Kate, you're uh, was it? Kate or Micah, who who said going to doing the Foley work? I think that was you, Kate, Kate right? Yeah. Yeah, oh me, man, yeah. that just like totally tickled a nerve for me. I was like, yes, that sounds amazing. So something along those lines. But if it had to do completely nothing at all with technology, I would say like the you know the past five years, I've done a lot of work on myself in like a therapeutic sense and really gone down this rabbit hole of of just exploring what it's like to be coached and to coach others on what's going on with their life. And there's something there for me. There's something really rich about working with someone 
and helping, uh, not helping solve their problems, but helping open their eyes to the things in their life that, that they could choose to do something that's more meaningful to them or more, you know, uh, so- solve some sort of like a, a, a thing that keeps uh, tugging at them on the inside. And so maybe it would be something along those lines, kind of going down the coaching slash therapy route. I'm not really quite sure, but that's appealing. All right. Well, um, we have reached uh, nearly the end of the episode, but we've got just enough time for a bonus topic. And my question for you is, what was your favorite subject in elementary school? Kate, we'll start with you. Uh, Everything reading. I was that kid who read like 100 books a year and their teacher thought they were lying about their book log. So, um, (laughs) you know, and if it involved getting to read a book, I was down with it. Yeah, I um I'm very much like Kate. I was one of those kids who got through all of the books that kids were supposed to have as part of their reading path and then just kept reading more books and more books and more books. So I probably would say that and then like I just said before, any book you could get me about um astronomy or anything like that or science in general I was totally in for. So uh, but but yeah, probably reading English. Yeah, that that's the winner. Hmm. Uh, my favorite subject was uh, goofing off in class, being the <laughs> class clown, that <laughs> sort of like thing. You. Yeah. Uh, but if I, so I have a really hard time recalling anything like actual <laughs> out of that. <laughs> aside from that, maybe art, something like that. I also really love doing anything with computers. We had a Commodore sixty four in the classroom that I just anytime I could hop on that sucker, I did. So something along those lines. In elementary school, for me, it was definitely science. Uh, loved loved any kind of science class or knowledge about space or anything at the time. So yeah, definitely science. Um, Well, folks, we are nearly there to the end, but I do have a little pitch for you. If you'd like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. You just go to relay.fm slash clockwise and sign up for five bucks a month or $50 a year, and you'll help support the show. In this week's overtime topic, we discuss online purchases and sales. And it's a lot more interesting, I promise you, than that pitch might make it sound. And now it is time to thank our incredible guests for joining us on this episode of Clockwise. Kate Cox, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And Jason Howell, thank you so much for being here. I love being here. Thank you for the invite, y'all. And now all that's left is to remind everyone out there, watch what you say. And keep watching that clock. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) 